This is episode number 56 with the president and co-founder of QC Kinetics, Tyler Vell. Welcome to the Path to Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Wes Barefoot, where it's my mission to help aspiring entrepreneurs and existing business owners take control of their lives and create freedom for themselves through business ownership. Each episode, I'll be exploring the strategies and tactics of other successful entrepreneurs that have created freedom in their own lives while sharing what I'm learning along my own path to freedom. I'm glad you're here. Let's drop in. Before we drop into the episode, a quick message from our sponsor, 919 Marketing. I've worked with 919 Marketing for years and there's no one I trust more with my marketing needs in any of our businesses. I've worked with them in our franchise businesses, in my consulting business. I've worked with them on the franchisor side and I love working with 919 because they take the time to listen. They take the time to understand what it is I'm looking to accomplish through my marketing, who I'm trying to reach, and then they help me put a plan together to do just that. I've worked with tons of marketing companies over the years, and too often, it's a one-size-fits-all approach, but not with 919 Marketing. In addition to that, they've developed some amazing technology called 919 Insights, franchising's first and only AI-powered analytics platform. With 919 Insights in place, 919 Marketing can identify the exact topics that matter to your franchise candidates and provide the specific roadmap to help your brand become the highest ranking and most trusted resource when they're searching for answers. So if you're ready to start getting better results from your marketing, and if you want a free demo of 919 Insights, reach out to Graham Chapman at 919-459-8157 or send them an email at gchapman at 919marketing.com to schedule your free demo today. So whether you're a franchisor, a franchisee, or just getting started in your first franchise business, make sure to check out 919 Marketing and tell them West Barefoot sent you. Now, let's drop into the episode. Hey, what's up everyone? And thanks for dropping in with me on another episode of the Path to Freedom podcast. My guest today is Tyler Vell. Tyler and I were introduced recently through a mutual connection and I quickly realized that I really needed to get Tyler on the podcast to tell his story and also talk a little bit more about the business that he's involved in, which is QC Kinetics. QC Kinetics is the premier regenerative medicine group across the United States, and their mission is to help as many patients as possible enjoy a higher quality of life by improving pain and injuries uh, with natural treatment options. And so the goal is to basically either prolong or completely eliminate the need for surgical intervention. So Tyler goes into a lot more detail in the episode about, you know, what treatments they actually provide at QC Kinetics, but I love the space these guys are in as someone that sees so many different franchise businesses. I think this kind of health and wellness space is really poised for a lot of growth over the coming years and and QC Kinetics is, you know, definitely a, a front runner you know, in some of this regenerative uh, medicine. So very cool opportunity. But, you know, really, I wanted to have Tyler come on, not just to talk about, you know, the business, which they've recently started franchising and is growing like crazy. But I also wanted him to share a little bit of his story because it's an interesting story. You know, Tyler, uh, through education, you know, was not on the path to become an entrepreneur or a business owner. He's actually a, a PA by training, but he talks about how he knew from an earlier age that he wanted to to own businesses and kind of used, uh, you know, this track as a way to to get into it. So I thought it was fascinating. He shares a lot of good advice for inspiring entrepreneurs and also goes into some great detail about the QC Kinetics business and the franchise opportunities 
that they are now offering. So very cool episode with a very cool guy. Appreciate you dropping in. We'll go ahead and get into it with Tyler Vell. You know, we connected maybe a month or so ago through a, a mutual connection. And then after talking, realized we know some other people and, and just kind of established that franchising is such a small world. So um, very cool the way these things come about, but excited to have you here on the podcast to talk a little bit about your business and, and share your story with the audience. So, you know, for those that aren't familiar with you, maybe give us kind of a quick introduction and, and tell us about your business and what you guys are up to. Yeah, thanks. Uh, my name is Tyler Vale, obviously, is what said. Um, I am the president of QC Kinetics, and my background prior to this in medicine, I'm a physician assistant. Uh, QC Kinetics is a very unique franchise. It's a very unique business model, period, outside of franchising. But we are a non-surgical uh, regenerative medicine practice focusing on musculoskeletal or orthopedic issues. So in a layman's terms, you have knee pain, shoulder pain, any kind of joint pain, and you want to avoid surgery and you want to avoid drugs, you come see us. Awesome. So, so give us a little more on that. Um, like what are some of the actual services that someone would get when they come to, to QC kinetics? Yeah. So a lot of your listeners may have, if, if they're athletes or, or keep up with some of the athletes, um, a lot of your pro athletes have PRP, which is platelet rich plasma done, uh, mm-hmm. where we take your blood and spin it down and take the good parts of the blood and reintroduce it to the, the problem area, which helps heal. Yeah. Um, all the way up to stem cell therapy, which we can wow. get from bone marrow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll take that. And so Bruce Kepka just had this done on his knee. Tiger had it done previously on his back. Kobe had it done uh, a long time ago. He was pretty outspoken about it back in the day. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of those guys have. So that's, that's interesting because, you know, I've, I've read some stuff about, you know, stem cell therapy and it seems like, I mean, there's so much good that can come from it, but it also seems like it's still, I don't know if fringe is the right word, but it, it's not quite like mainstream. And it seems like, you know, you just named a bunch of very successful professional athletes. You know, money's no object for these guys when it comes to, you know, the best of the best treatments out there. So, you know, is that kind of what what QC Kinetics is really focused on is bringing some of these treatments more mainstream? And, and what does that look like from an affordability standpoint? Yeah, great question. So the, the fringe part of that question, it can be seen as a fringe. Uh, when done the wrong way. So mm. from an ethical standpoint, uh, we don't do any fetal stem cells and so no Planned Parenthood, no aborted fetuses. Everything we do is very healthy. It's good for the patient. It doesn't hurt anybody else. That would be illegal in the United States. Although I think you have some players that would do that. Um, we don't. So that, that I can kind of get off the table pretty quickly and have yeah. to with, with the patients that come in the door. That's usually the number one question I get. And there's a lot of uh, things that I need to dispel to the patient when they come in. As far as affordability, yes. When I started in this about a decade ago, it was very expensive and it was your your pro athletes and your, your really, really wealthy that could have this done. Thankfully now it's come down so much that we our, our bread and butter are blue collar guys. They're, they're your really? plumbers, you're, yeah. They're the guys that use their body and work. They're the ones that don't have short-term disability and don't mm. want it to have surgery. And uh, you know, it's, especially with the way insurance is going and the deductibles and the co-pays and the out-of-pockets are, are north of seven to 10,000 for most people anyways. Yeah, yeah. So what we do a lot of times is less expensive to them than the surgery they're going to, they're going to have. So it is far more affordable and we have a lot of ways to afford it. It is a cash practice. So it is okay. not covered by insurance, yeah. uh, but that's, that's why we spend a lot of time getting the word out that there's another option. And then when they come in, we, we spend a lot of time educating the patient on what their options are whether it be with us or whether it be with traditional ortho, which was my background, uh, doing joint replacements. Yeah, very cool. It's, it's an interesting business. And, and like you said, very unique, um, not only in the, the franchising world, but I, you know, it seems like you guys are really, you know, front runners and, and kind of blazing, you know, a trail for this, this new uh, industry, really. And, and I think, you know, kind of in that same industry, I mean, I, I guess I would classify you guys in the health and wellness space. Um, I don't know if you agree with that or not, but in my mind, that's kind of, you know, if you're looking at different franchise sectors, that's where you would fit in. And, you know, there's a lot of cool businesses that are really up and coming that not, not are doing the same types of treatments that you guys are, but, but similar, you know, cryotherapy and, um, you know, compression chambers and infrared therapy and vitamin drips and and that type of stuff. And I'm excited to see all of that come 
a little more mainstream and, and get to where it's more affordable and not so expensive that the vast majority of people can't afford it. Um, because there seems to be so many benefits, um, you know, with all of that. And, and so I'm curious, like, you know, we're, we're recording this late May 2021. So, you know, COVID's starting to kind of seem like it's in our rearview mirror, which uh, oh, is no. a great thing. So, so what is like, what have you guys seen uh, as a result of COVID? Like, would you say that COVID has helped your business in some ways, like because people are now more focused on maybe taking better care of themselves or, or not so much? Yeah, I would. So COVID was, was unique. So as a, as a business owner, I think one of the biggest uh, assets that you bring is the ability to be fluid and to pivot. Yeah. And uh, COVID was certainly one of those times. Um, I, I remember it was one of the scariest times of, of our uh, existence. And uh, most of our competitors and most of the people that we knew and respect in the industry were furloughing their staff. They were cutting their advertising. They were, they were really just trying to limit it, what their, their bleeding was going to be. Yeah. Um, we sat down as an ownership group. There's three of us and said, uh, we, we want to take the, the Warren Buffett approach and we want to double down and go against the grain. And so uh, we doubled down on our advertising and uh we Love didn't it. furlough anybody we kept our our doors open and uh because of that i think we were the only ones out there on the on the airwaves and the tv and everywhere else and we had a lot of patients come in it was a different different uh subsect of patients we were reaching a whole new new audience now mm -hmm. and uh we, we had to make some pivots there uh we had to be very uh, cautious and respectful of of the the re restrictions we had in each different state that we operate in. Sure. Uh, so it was, it was a, it was uncharted territories, but uh, I can tell you that we had our, our best month of profitability through COVID. Wow. And, uh, that's awesome. And they've, and they've gone up since then. So we were very happy uh, to, to have made that. Uh, but I can tell you that was a, uh, that was a butt puckering moment for all of us when, uh, <laughs> when you're saying, all right, let's, let's double down and, and see if it works. No doubt. I mean, that's a ballsy, ballsy decision to have to make, but you know, it, I, I think it was the right decision. I mean, you know, we, my wife and I had similar conversations related to our businesses when, you know, things first started closing down and, and our, our businesses are in different industries, but you know, we, I remember distinctly having conversations around, Hey, you know, we don't know what this is going to look like. We don't know how long this is going to go on, but one thing we do know is we don't want to look back at this and say, you know, we just kind of rolled over or you know, like we hunkered down and, and tried to ride out the storm. Like we wanted to be, we saw it as a chance to be aggressive. Um, right. You know, so we bought another franchise business. Mm -hmm. We invested in commercial real estate, like all while this was going on and it was scary, but it also created some, some interesting opportunities because uh, of just everything that was going on. So definitely, uh, you know, can appreciate that, that more aggressive approach and glad to hear it's paying off for you guys. So uh, I definitely want to get more into to the business model. And, you know, as you've already mentioned, you guys are franchising. So I want to, you know, kind of highlight the franchise opportunity. But I got to I got to get a little more of your background because you mentioned this at the top. You said, you know, you're, you're a physician's assistant by training. So how in the hell did you end up as the president of a franchise organization uh, coming out of being a PA? Tell us tell us that story. Yeah, that was uh, that was an interesting one. Um... So I, I knew from an early age that I wanted to own my own business. My, my old man was an entrepreneur and uh, a hell of a salesman too. And, and kind of those, those uh, qualities were instilled in me uh, at a young age. And um, I, I wasn't sure exactly what it would look like. Uh, I liked medicine. I was an athlete in college and okay. decided that I wanted to kind of continue that. Um, not much of a student, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> and so... I kind of fell into exercise physiology and loved it. And then uh, from there, I kind of hunkered down and said, what am I going to do with exercise physiology? And then picked up chemistry and then uh, went to PA school. Um, I had to look up what a PA was, to be honest with you. Uh, somebody <laughs> told me. And uh, so then, then I, I really started to dive into it. I really liked the autonomy that I was going to have, mm. the ability to work in orthopedics, to see and treat patients. Um, that, that part lended well to me, but I still knew I wanted something different. I just wasn't sure what. Right. Had conversations and told people that, you know, going into PA school, I'm, I'm not going to be a PA forever. That's, you know, I, this is a, this is another stepping stone. It's another uh, level up for my ability to reach new people, to see new people and relate to new people that I didn't yeah. have the ability to before. 
Um, uh, worked in orthopedic surgery in South Florida for a few years and uh, really loved it. I love uh, the operating room dance, the, 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 what that title that was. And um, I didn't love the call schedule. I didn't love the, the trauma schedule. I didn't love some of that. Uh, but we also did regenerative medicine uh, in those practices. We did okay. it preoperatively, we did it intraoperatively, and we did it postoperatively to try to either prevent surgeries or recover faster from surgeries. Interesting. It was a leg of our business. It wasn't where we generated most of our revenue. Obviously, uh-huh. someone open in an orth- orthopedic surgery practice is what drives the revenue. So they want to do surgery, right? Yeah, it wasn't yeah. on the forefront, but. Uh, from there, I really fell in love with regenerative medicine, moved back to the Carolinas. Uh, we started having kids and wanted to raise them in the Carolinas where I grew up in Charlotte. Uh, really was fortunate to, to get on with a group. I kind of cast a wide net, took a bunch of interviews. And uh, this interview, I, I was pretty forward. <laughs> I said, I either want ownership in the company at one point, or I want to start my own, just so you know, this is day one of the interview. And I also really love regenerative medicine and really feel like that could add to your 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 business and what they did. They didn't do regenerative medicine to practice at that point. Okay. The medical director loved that. He, he was like, man, I've been wanting to do this. Uh, ended up, that is now my, my business partner. Very and, cool. Uh, so I, I started with those guys. We, we kind of, I was an entrepreneur is what I would say at one yeah. point. I was in, w- within their company and, and really started to, to hone in and develop a, a leg of the business that was just regenerative medicine there. Um, and then myself, the operations director and the medical director branched off um, and started QC Kinetics shortly thereafter. So my, my transition from PA to uh, president was, was certainly one, if you've ever read the E-Myth, which you and I have talked about, it's one of my yeah. favorite books. Yeah. Um, I was certainly the, the doer. I was not the entrepreneur. I was the technician. I was mm-hmm. the guy that could stick a needle in somebody and treat the patient. And, and I needed to do that first and I needed to see that. But I can tell you without the, the two guys around me, um, I would still be in one location trying to, you know, working for myself, but not, not creating anything more than that. Right. Uh, and I really learned a lot through kind of the other uh, minds that I, that I had around sure. me and, and was fortunate for that. So from that, I transitioned into the role that I'm in now as president to where I get to now oversee and manage and do Zoom calls. And uh, yeah. you know, I, I don't have to wear a white coat all the time anymore. So this is, I like this and it's, it's, um, I love to teach and I love to explain and I love to coach and to encourage. And those are some of my, my skill sets, but, um, but it's certainly been a transition, uh, but one that I, but that I welcome that I enjoy. Yeah. I think that's, that's awesome. And, and, you know, love that you kind of point out that, you know, you've, you've been able to transition from being more of that technician to, uh, you know, kind of overseeing bigger picture. Uh, so, so your role as president, you know, what is, what does that really entail, uh, as it pertains to the franchisees that you have and just the the organization as a whole, what are kind of some of your your key responsibilities? Yeah, so I look more introspectively. I want to make sure that our our what we have is currently open is is flourishing, that it's profitable, that is uh, they're they're taken care of, that they feel like they've they've got all the resources that they need. So. Mm-hmm. Um, my other partner, CEO is Justin. His job is really to look more of expansion and, and grow out. And Got so it. as we, as we expand, he's, he's thinking steps ahead of where we're going. And I'm trying to make sure that what we've built doesn't fall by the wayside, uh, in, in spite of, of the growth. And so I, I, I like my, my role now, uh, it's, it's challenging because the bigger we get managing people is yeah. tough and, uh, Everybody wants something different, needs something different, and responds to something different. Sure. And so I get to manage anything from our medical doctors and PAs, our medical staff, all the way to our uh, front desk and MAs. And, and I have a lot of help within that. We, we have operations directors that, that really take a lot of the boots on the ground work from mm-hmm. me. Um, but, but my job is really to make sure that those people are, are satisfied and that they're they're uh, taken care of. And as we bring on these franchises, the biggest thing that, that we've, at least in our infancy in franchising, we started this October of 2020 is when we really finalized our FDD and started selling. Okay. Um, yeah. But as we've sold so many, we, we, we go to these conferences and we hear, you know, we've got 500 sold. And it's like, great. How many open? Two. Yeah. It's like, well, I know. It's crazy, isn't it? I don't, I don't understand why that's a good thing. You know, so our goal is, yes, yeah. we want to sell them. And that's wonderful. And that's, that's the front end. But we focus very, very hard on the infrastructure of getting them open and getting them profitable and making sure they're happy and continuing to do that. So 
um, that that's a lot of, of my focus and my role in, in our business now with the franchising part of it is making sure that they're trained and hiring and training are the two biggest things. They've sure. got to do the hiring, but my job is to kind of help give them qualities that we look for in that. Exactly. And then the training is, uh, is my responsibility for, for a large degree of, and uh, we've, we've hired great people underneath me to, to really, I mean, at this point, just they let them run because they're, they're, they're better than I am at, at those things. And I love it. That's the key, you know, surround yourself with people that are better than you and make sure they're headed in the right direction and, and let them do their thing. So I'm, I'm curious, has it been a, I mean, I'm sure it has, you said your role is challenging now, but, you know, was there anything that you feel particularly helped you in making that transition to be from being more of a technician where, you know, you're just kind of focused on, on what you're doing? and not responsible for what other people are doing to where now, you know, you're, you're sitting at the top of what's, you know, turning into a pretty large organization and you've got all these other people that you're responsible for. Was there anything that you kind of proactively did to say, Hey, I need to sharpen these skills. And, and that you would say has helped you uh, get better at that or, or did it just kind of come naturally to you? No, I think probably a little bit of both, honestly, but, yeah. uh, but, but, you know, your, your best athletes in the world, even when it comes natural, they have to, they have to train, they have to prepare and they have sure. to do everything that they can to, to be the best and to stay there. Um, I started reading a ton of books, um, a lot of books on leadership. Mm -hmm. um, I, I really, really enjoy the leadership books that, that I was able to read a lot of books on business, a lot of books yep. that most of your, your listeners have probably read that I was a little behind on. Uh, but I also realized that if I was so blinded by the fact that I thought I was the only one that could do it as well as I could, right? If, if I'm the only one that can stick a needle right in the right spot or get that patient to understand this is exactly what they need to do, uh, then I was never going to reach a bigger vision of a bigger goal of what I actually had. So yeah. when I kind of sat down with my, my quiet thoughts and said, what are your actual goals? Is it to continue to be the technician and, and see all these patients and never get above this little bubble yeah. or is it to really expand and, and our mission statement is something that I take to heart and, and preach on a lot. And our, our goal is to help as many people as we can. And if that's the true goal, then what I need to do is I need to trust that someone else can do this and they can do it well and I can teach them and then I can let them go. And then I can stop worrying about them. Yeah. Right? I don't micromanage them and I can go and I can teach someone else and I can watch them come up and, and all of my records have been beat. You know, I was the technician. So I was the one doing all of the, all the sales and all the everything. And um, recently uh, as of last week, uh, we, we had a new record piece set for, for one day revenue, which I was just thrilled for this guy. He came on a while ago and um, he, he is not a natural born salesman. I can tell you that, but yeah, the guy yeah. is just tenacious. He doesn't take no for an answer. He's genuine and, uh, He's, he's a, he's a hell of a, of a provider and a hell of a technician when it comes to that. But he's also, uh, he was, he's our first franchisee. Um, he, he worked for us and then he bought a territory, he bought a awesome. territory. And Love hearing territory. that. Yeah, yeah, me too. So yeah. those, those things are challenging, but I think the biggest thing for me was, uh, preparing and, and, and trusting that if my goals are really this, I'm not going to get to that goal. If, if I, if I'm so selfish and so blinded that I'm the only one that can do it. And, now I realize there are people that do it better than me already. Yeah. Right. Well, I, that's awesome, man. I think there's some golden advice in there. I mean, you know, when I'm working with people that, that are, you know, trying to get into business for themselves and we're evaluating franchises, I mean, you know, you and I talked about the e-myth that's come up on probably, you know, over half of the podcast episodes I've done because it's such a, it's such a, a good book that, that any entrepreneur should read. But, yeah. you know, that's something that I really try to stress with people and, 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 you know, we've had to do this in, in our own businesses is you've got to first get clear on what that that bigger picture vision is. Like, what's the yeah. long term goal? Because that's what's going to help you push through, you know, the hard times, the down times, all of the challenges that will inevitably come, you know, when you're an entrepreneur. And, and then you've got to, you know, assuming that long term vision entails scaling the business in some capacity, you've got to be willing to, to let go of some control. And that's hard. That's so hard for, for most entrepreneurs, because especially, you know, when you're starting, whatever the business is, it's a grind and you're usually, you know, wearing multiple hats, you got your hands on everything. And, and, you know, that, 
mentality of no one else is going to be able to do it as good as me uh, and, and, and not being willing to, to delegate and, and let go of some things, that's challenging. It's been challenging in our businesses. And, you know, my wife and I have had these conversations as well, like where we kind of sit down and we refocus like, hey, what's the long term goal? And, and it's a pretty big goal. And so we know we're like, we got to get better at, you know, building teams and, and empowering those teams. And, and we're there to coach them. But I think for me, like the hardest thing to get comfortable with is like, I've got to be willing to let people do things, even if it's a slightly different way than I would do it. Oh, you nailed it on the head. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, cause I've got to, I'm like, no, this is how it should be done. And I'm like, no, at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter if they do it a little bit differently. Like they're going to get the same result or even a better result. Like let right. it go. Like it doesn't have to be exactly the way I would do it or the way I would say it. And so that was just kind of like a mindset shift for me. And I still have to check myself um, in, in that regard. So, yeah, I think, you know, getting clear on that vision and then, you know, being willing to to do the the painful things that you have to do to make that vision a reality. Um, you know, in, in this case, it's, you know, letting go of some control and and usually have to watch some mistakes. Right. I mean, you have to watch some train wrecks in order to, uh, you know, really get your people trained up. And I know for my wife, especially like in, in one of our businesses, she's a phenomenal salesperson. And yeah. like, we'll probably never have a, another salesperson that's better than her. We've got a few that are close, but like, yeah. she's a rock star. And so that's been the hardest thing for her is like, she'll go and, and do a ride along, like with one of our salespeople and to like <laughs> sit there and not, not like interject. Cause you know, the, the better results are going to be when she can kind of coach them after the fact not right. interject, you know, when you're, you're there in front of a client. And so it's, it's hard for her as she calls it to watch the train wreck happen sometimes, but it's necessary. It is. And, and, and you're right. I, I'm, I'm in charge of all of our sales and uh, teaching sales is tough and watching people stumble. And when you know that that was a, a revenue that could have come in or a patient we could have helped, but, but for the bigger picture, uh, getting them to, to fail, they'll learn more from that than they That's will right. when you come bail them out. We, yep. we had a franchisee, we were going to open their location and I was there on the first day and um, the owner was not the, the salesperson in this case. He was, he was like, I, I'm, I'm begging you, I just want you to sell day one so that we, we just get, our, uh, we get going. Can we get some money under the belt? And I looked at him and I said, man, you're worried about peanuts when if this if this person that you've invested in is good and i actually think they're very good let them fail today and let them make you so much more down the road yeah. because you you've invested and you trusted them and i'll help coach them mm -hmm. but i'm not stepping in and doing it because i'm not going to be here next week that's right and this person needs to know that they have your full confidence and they should and and she's already set records for the franchise that i mean she's she's incredible she's a rock star that's awesome yeah that's that's a great example uh of exactly what we're talking about so I love that. Look, I could talk along these lines all day, but I want to definitely get into to more of the business. So you said that you guys kind of started franchising late 2020. So you're not even a year into to franchising yet at the time of recording yeah. this. How, how long did you guys have the business established before you decided that that franchising was the route you wanted to go? Uh, we started the business. We saw our first patient in July, early July of 2017. Okay. Um, we were uh, working one day a week, traveling down to Charleston. Uh, so we worked every Saturday in Charleston for three or four years and I'm uh, coming up on four years now. And um, I would say December of that year, we decided to really push all of our chips in so mm. six months after being open and say, let's okay. leave our current jobs and let's do this full time. Um, we decided to franchise probably two years in, year and a half in. And that's when we hired a, a franchise consulting group, a big mm -hmm. consulting group out of uh, Chicago that, that really helped a lot with putting the infrastructure, the FDD, the operations manual, the training manual. Yeah. I have a great attorney that, that wrote our FDD. Um, then we started to build some pieces from there. And uh, we say we hire our weaknesses, right? And mm -hmm. I think our best hire to date is our COO, Scott Hoots, of, uh, of our franchise op operation. Yeah guy's been in the industry for years he came up with dominoes in the 80s and 90s when yeah yeah loading he's og and, uh, i know scott a little is, bit we've talked a few OG. times and yeah so having that's been great but we made that switch and decided it probably took a good year year and a half to really get the the everything built to say okay let's go sell 
Uh, we had a, a one little version of an FDD made first that we sold to four of my buddies that that were kind of waiting, chomping at the bits, like sure. when it's going to be done. We want to open, and they're all doing really well. Awesome. And then we kind of put a pause on that and said, let's let's do the FDD the way we want to and the mm -hmm. way we want to sell it to the country. Uh, we brought on a, a development team and a Rhino Seven to yep. sell for us with with Doug Shadle and his his team, and so that started October of 2020. So okay. it took us a couple of years to get into it, to realize our goal to, to take it to scale. We didn't know what vehicle we were going to do. We started to look into franchising and realized we felt like we had something that was franchisable for many, mm -hmm. many reasons. Yeah, uh, We really felt like that was the right vehicle to, to push forward and so far so good. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think it's, you've already alluded to this uh, earlier, but, you know, taking your time to get all the right pieces in place and make sure you're ready to then really step on the gas. I mean, that's smart. I've seen a lot of franchise companies try to rush it. You know, they try to cut corners. Number one, they don't, they don't have, you know, even really any proof of concept, you know, they'll, yeah. you know, six months into to even starting whatever the business is they're they're talking about franchising. And it's like, man, you got to <laughs> prove this out. So I like hearing that, you know, you guys ran it for, you know, at least three years, it sounds like three and a half years, maybe more, more like it uh, before you actually really started franchising it. So you've got that yeah. proof of concept and, you know, you mm -hmm. took the time and were willing to make the investments in, you know, hiring a consulting company that understands franchising, hiring a good attorney, you know, bringing on a franchise veteran to oversee, you know, operations like, you know, you're doing all the right things to make sure that this thing really grows and and is in a position to support the franchisees and you know I, I agree with what you said earlier and and honestly i think we're seeing too much of this these days where you know newer what i would classify as emerging franchise companies yeah they they are overly aggressive they sell way too many franchises uh in a short period of time and then they so sometimes struggle to get those franchises open and operational. And it's very difficult for franchisors to keep up with that from a support standpoint, to make sure that they've got the right staff in place and that the staff is knowledgeable. I mean, you know, one of our franchises has grown very, very fast, uh, you know, early into their, um, their franchising trajectory. And, you know, they've, they've, I think, done a pretty good job of staffing up to, to keep up with that growth. But the staff's not like they're not as expert as much of experts as you would like. Right. Because there's a learning curve for them. You know, even if they have experience in the industry, they still have to yeah. learn like how we do things in this franchise. So there's a learning curve for them. So, you know, in some cases, you've got newer franchisees working with brand new support people. <laughs> it's almost like the blind leading the blind in some cases. Not a good and, recipe. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, to, to uh, the, the franchisor is doing a good job. And, and I don't think they've been, you know, too terribly aggressive with it. I think sure. they're they're kind of walking that fine line of let's be aggressive, but let's you know grow smart too. But I've seen a lot more out there, so I think kind of pacing yourself and saying, look, let's let's get some really really good people in as like our core foundation of early franchisees. Let's support the hell out of them and make sure that you know this group is extremely successful, and then you know, you're going to be able to step on the gas a little bit later and, and grow probably at a much quicker pace because, you know, those those first handful of franchisees that you bring in, that's critical. They make or break you. They make or break you. You get the wrong people in and they're not successful for whatever reason, like good luck continuing to sell <laughs> franchises because, yeah. you know, anyone looking is going to talk to them. And if they're, you know, sucking wind or, or miserable, you know, and, and it happens. So, uh, it sounds like you guys are really taking the right approach. So Wes here, you may have noticed there's a franchising theme to this podcast and that's because franchising's had a massive impact on my life and it's the very reason I'm walking my own path to freedom. In fact, one of my companies is a franchise consulting company where I work with people to help them understand franchising and determine if it might be a good fit for them. And if it is something they want to explore, then I help them navigate the entire investigative process and ultimately find a franchise business that's a great match for them. You know, the fact of the matter is there are thousands and thousands of franchise businesses out there today. And like anything, there are good ones and there are bad ones. 
even out of the many, many great franchise companies, not every one of them would necessarily be a good fit for you. You know, buying a franchise is a huge decision and you don't want to wing it. I've helped many people buy franchise businesses over the years and my wife and I have bought and own franchises today and we plan to keep investing in franchise businesses. I love helping people understand this process and help them find a business that's going to be a great fit for them and help them accomplish their goals and ultimately create that freedom in their life that we're all looking for. The best part of all of this is that my services are free to the people I work with. And while I do love to contribute to charities and other great causes, I'm not a nonprofit. I'm compensated by the franchise companies I work with when I introduce them to someone that ends up becoming one of their franchisees. It's very similar to real estate, but with franchises. I have the privilege of working with hundreds and hundreds of the best franchise companies out there across practically every industry. So I can be absolutely confident that when I recommend someone to look at a franchise company, I'm introducing them to a very credible and proven company with a solid business model and great support. So if you think you might be interested in learning more about franchising and seeing if it might be right for you, I'd love to speak with you. Get in touch with me by email at wes at path2freedom.com, path, the number two, frdm.com. And also check out my website at path2freedom.com, spelled the same way, where I've got a ton of resources, both franchise and non-franchise related, that will help you start down your own path to freedom. And of course, subscribe to and follow the podcast for more great advice about business ownership. And if you know anyone else that might be interested in speaking with me, please share this podcast with them. Thanks for listening to my shameless plug. Now let's drop back into the episode. So kind of give us give us the lay of the land where you guys are today here coming up in you know mid-2021. How many franchisees? What does your footprint kind of look like across the country? Yep. So uh, we started selling in October of last year. So anybody that buys, they're usually on somewhere between a four and eight months, called six to eight months uh, before they open. So sure. uh, we're, we're at the very end of that calm before the storm. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, we we have 11 corporate offices that, that we've had and they're open. We have seven franchises that are open so far. We've got another one opening next week and another one the following. Also, awesome. we'll, we'll be pushing, we'll have nine by the end of next month. And then, uh, then the real fun happens. So uh, we will have somewhere, somewhere around 80, I believe 80 open by the end of this year. And so yeah, who was right. So yeah. infrastructure is big, support's big. And we're, uh, we're bringing a lot of people up from within the, the corporate side to, to move to the trans, transfer over to the franchise side to, uh, to support guys that have guys and girls that have been in what we do. Yeah. not franchising, but what we do corporately for two, three, four years. Um, and now they're moving over to help support and to, to get the most out of the franchisees. Uh, we've sold 308 to date. Wow. Uh, locations. Um, we're we're um, area development. So you, you, you buy. Ah. Boston was the most recent territory that, that sold. Um, that's 14 locations. So you got to buy all 14. So the territories I, I, were probably in the 80-ish range. But locations, the actual physical clinics that that would be developed over time, as we're looking at uh, 308 right now. That's huge, and man. We, our DMAs are uh, what we see in the United States is 691, and uh, that's what we want to sell. And then we're looking into Canada and some of the other other countries as well to to kind of expand outside the U.S. I love it, man. That's that's yeah, huge too. success this early on. And hey, remind me after we're done recording. I want to ask you a little bit more about the area development uh, model that you guys are using. So, um, but so did, did I hear you right earlier? You said you have 11 corporate locations. We do. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I love hearing that because again, it's proof of concept, but you guys are walking the walk. And so like how much better prepared are are you as the franchisor and your support teams going to be, you know, to actually help these franchisees get their businesses open and up and running. And, you know, there's going to be very few challenges or problems that a new franchisee is going to run into that you guys haven't already encountered across 11 different corporate locations, you know, with one or two, that's still good. But, you know, I, I like seeing that you've got, got that much skin in the game with these corporate locations. And it probably also helps you with cash flow as you're, you know, getting these franchisees up and running because, you know, it can take a while, especially if it's a six to, to eight month, you know, ramp up for the franchisees or, or just to get open. 
you know, you got a you got a little while until that those royalty uh, revenues start coming in. So um, people don't realize how expensive it is to franchise. And uh, no, we they don't. Told, we were told that, and uh, thank goodness we had a very uh, efficient, profitable corporate leg of our business that that was able to to really allow us to grow and fill in the infrastructure as we wanted to. Um, we, we were fortunate to have that, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a, a massive undertaking to say the least. Uh, yeah, you've got to be able to float for a while before your, your revenue sufficient on your franchise uh, coming in. Um, but it's, we're, we're getting to that point now. And, and now it's, it's a, it's a probably going to be, it's more of an exponential growth, but having, I always tell all the franchisees that come in for discovery days, like we have stake in the game. We've got 11 of these things and yeah. we are stubbing our toes every day. And when we <laughs> want to roll out new things, we've got training places to roll them out before you have to stub your toes. Yeah. We'll, we'll get all those out and then we'll give you the processes. You've got the right people and that's the, the, the formula that you have to have. So. Well, that's a good point. I mean, with these corporate locations, like one of the franchises we own, they have quite a few corporate locations and they'll kind of come in and like build out what they call a corporate market. Uh, this is not a brick and mortar type business, but they'll build out a corporate market, you know, run it for maybe six to nine months and then they'll, they'll sell it, you know, to a, a franchisee who can then come in and kind of build off of this foundation that they've laid. And then they'll go open up another one and yeah. just kind of rinse and repeat. But I mean, I'd say at any given time, they probably have at least four or five corporate markets running sometimes more than that, but they also use it as a way to pilot new programs and try new things before asking the franchisees to do it. So, you know, they can work out some of the kinks and, uh, you know, really kind of fine tune whatever it is they're piloting before, you know, rolling it out to the the whole system. So I think that's a really, really beneficial part of having, you know, some of these corporate owned locations as well. Um, so I want to get into a little bit of the, the business model. So if someone's interested in, you know, uh, learning more about the QC Kinetics franchise opportunity, you know, what, yeah. is, what does that kind of look like? I mean, I'm sure I know one question that's top of mind for me is obviously you need a physical location to run this business. You know, what type of location are you looking for? How complicated is the build out? Uh, what type of equipment do you need? Is there a lot of specialized equipment? I mean, what, is, what does that kind of look like? Yeah, it's actually really, really low hurdle to get over. Nice. COVID one, uh, which is is really, uh, most people, the first question is, do I have to be a doctor to own one of these and or to, to be a franchisee? And I can tell you that probably 80 to 90% of our uh, franchisees are business people. They're, they're yeah. not medical at all. They, they look at the item 19 and say, okay, I think I can make this work. And it, this is, they're looking at it as an entrepreneur, not as a technician. And then you can hire the technician, right? So, but yeah. we do have we do have medical people that buy this. Uh, Tampa just recently opened. That's an anesthesiologist and his wife, and mm. uh, that they they're going to do very very well. But you, we do have medical people that look at this and buy it. But for the vast majority, it's non medical. Each state is different uh, with uh, corporate practice of medicine. So I can imagine. Yeah, that that part's tough. But having Scott that's done that before, he's he's been a part of a franchise of a of an urgent care. Having yeah. Doug that's that's uh, sold franchises for other medical practices uh, with Rhino Seven, so having those mm -hmm. guys understand the, the the nuances of corporate practice medicine helps. And then we have phenomenal attorneys and and so on and so forth. There are ways around that. So sure, um, you know, as as we kind of look and, and grow, those are some of the the, the things that, that we're looking at. But when the, the this. It doesn't have to be medical. It doesn't have to be non. So those things are, are easy. It is a brick and mortar, like you said. <clears throat> we usually look for second generation medical space. So okay. we always we always give the, the phrase, we want to put lipstick on the pig. We want to make sure that this is nice. It's clean. It's not a traditional doctor's office when you walk in. Um, it, it, it's it's going to have the same finish and feel that, that all of our other clinics have. It needs to be in a medical location, right? right. So not, not just a retail location. Uh, but most of our guys are, are getting in for far less than you would imagine. Equipment wise, you're, you know, if you're looking at opening a, a Jets pizza and you've got all the, you know, or, or McDonald's and the fryers and all that, we don't have that stuff. So sure. yeah. the, equi the equipment is very, very, very minimal. Um, it, it's a very simplistic 
business model. It's, uh, we don't have a ton of accounts receivable. It's, uh, we, we buy the product as, as the patient says, yes, let's do it. Of that, yeah. Uh, they, they pay up front, so we're, we're never on the hook for that. So yeah. there are a lot of very, um, it's, it's a very simple system in, in a lot of ways, but, uh, but I like that. Uh, the oh, absolutely. Like that. Yeah, simplicity is great. And, and, you know, I always point out to people that I'm working with, like simple doesn't translate to easy. It just means no. there's not as many moving parts and pieces. So, you know, you have more control over uh, ultimately the performance of the business because there's there's less, you know, I always look at as every business has levers that you can pull on as the owner to drive better financial results. The the more simplistic the business, the fewer levers there are to, to have to try and manage. Um, you got it right. So, yeah, I, I love that. I mean, it's it sounds a little more... Uh, simplistic than what I had initially imagined. So that's, that's good to hear. And, and I love that you pointed out that, you know, the majority of your franchisees are business people. They're not, uh, you know, medical experts or people that are coming out of the medical field, because, you know, as many people as I work with that, that want to explore franchising, um, that is a, probably one of the most common misconceptions that I have to, you know, try to educate people on is like, look, you know, you need to understand like what is your role as the franchise owner in a business, not look at it and say whatever industry the business is in, do I have relevant experience in that industry? Because rarely is that the expectation of the franchise owner to be, you know, the 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 technician, the one out, you know, providing the actual product right. or service. Most franchises are looking for people with good business minds and and the ability to really build and manage a team and and scale a business and so I, you know i would easily argue it's better that you don't know the technical yeah. aspect of it if you're yeah. the business owner because it allows you to be the owner <laughs> the entrepreneur and it allows you to hire a technician that you're not going to have to constantly fill back in for you've got to trust that they're doing it and and that they're yeah. the technician and then you get to grow the business yeah, absolutely. I think it is better. I totally agree with that. It's like uh, there's going to be less of that temptation to just jump in and do it yourself uh, if you don't know anything about it. Like our businesses are home service, home improvement, what I call sec uh, dirty, unsexy service businesses. And I'm like the least handy guy you'll ever meet. So there's never been that temptation for me to be like, just get out of the way. I'll do it better because I definitely can't. Uh, right. So that's, that's been fairly easy on, on that side of things for us. So I, I think that's a good point. Um, so, you know, what, what else should people know about uh, the QC kinetics franchise opportunity and, you know, kind of where you guys are going. Cause you know, you've, you've had a lot of success already as you've kind of already taken us through some of the, the numbers, but I mean, this is, this is early. Like you guys have a long, long uh, trajectory ahead of you. So to me, this is an opportunity to to get in almost ground floor still of something that that I think has massive potential. So you oh, know, yeah. what else would you want people to know that you know may be interested in learning more about the franchise opportunity? Yeah, it's it's, it's a perfect storm right now. We're in a great, great industry that's burgeoning that people are looking for. Right, so. Uh, Gym concepts uh, a few years ago when everybody's getting on a health kick and you know you've got your orange theories and you've got your mm -hmm. F45s and all the all the different uh, gym concepts that kind of blew up. That's great. Now they're they're somewhat saturated at this point. You've got a lot of different concepts. And it's hard to really uh, find your niche and, and what your your competitive advantage. We're the only company to my knowledge, at least franchising regenerative medicine in an industry that's expected to go up 26% in the next, I can't remember how many years. And it's just unbelievably exploding in the industry. So we were very fortunate to be the right time for our industry. Sure. Um, as far as the franchise goes, man, it's, it's such a unique model. One of the, my favorite things is when you people, they look at the item 19, which we put in our FDD and yep. they're going, okay, so I, I really like this, um, but how am I going to open five locations with the same team? You said you have the same team. And I said, well, that's one day a week. That's one day a week. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All of our offices are only open one day a week. So that was, that was, are you serious? One day a week for all of your offices? That, that number right there was for 50 days out of the year. And, uh, wow. you know, it's, it's not, so you literally, days, however many, so you literally can run multiple locations with one team. They just kind of rotate. And you will. Yeah, that's that's one of the differences in our model. And that is unique. The, 
it's very unique and it's it's actually there's a lot of reasons why it's it's uh, we stumbled onto it so we had full-time jobs monday through friday we would travel friday night mm. every week uh stay the night in charleston run our business in charleston on saturday all day saturday we subleased the space didn't have our name on the wall <laughs> didn't take a salary six yeah. months we had our, our owners meeting and said we've got something here let's let's push our chips in let's resign from our current jobs and all three of us were doing hmm. okay at that point yeah uh, so we we resigned opened charlotte after our non-competes were up and said let's let's open here ran Charlotte and then kind of took it from there, uh, always continually reinvesting back into the company. We didn't borrow any money to start. So we've been debt-free from day one. Um, we're still debt-free to this day. I'm really proud of that. Yeah. As we hire and as we expand and as we grow, as we fund franchising, that's, that's all been on us. Yeah. Um, but the, the unique part of a franchisee coming in and looking at this is you can have a, a market of, you know, for a size, the DMA is four, locations and you can have the same team run all four they're just doing it one day a week um they're massively profitable as long as you do it the right way and you you, you continue to have the right heart behind what you do and you have the right team in place to, to run it so it's a pretty unique that's situation. very unique yeah i hadn't picked up on that that I, I know you said you know when you started in charleston mm -hmm. it was like saturdays and i thought yeah. kind of crossed my mind i'm like damn if they were doing it one day a week and on saturdays for that matter like <laughs> Yeah. But so, so what would you say to someone looking at that though and saying, all right, well, to me, that makes sense. You can have one team. So you've got less overhead, uh, you know, when it comes to, to your employees, but what if, what if each location was open more? Like, could we 4X our revenue if we were open four more days out of the week? And I'm sure it wouldn't translate exactly, but so, you know, what have you guys learned in terms of the advantages of only being over open one day a week per location compared to, you know, maybe three or four days a week? Yeah, it's a question we get every day. Um, sure. And every, every discovery day, at least. Um, but I, I always give the example of this, right? So uh, we're in Charlotte, but I grew up kind of in the outskirts in the suburbs. And, and uh, we had some, some good old boys and girls that lived there uh, yeah. that never ventured outside of their little bubble. Yep. And uh, let's, let's say that a new restaurant comes into town and it's a, it's a Brazilian steakhouse. Mm -hmm. All right. And where I grew up, I didn't know what that was. Yeah. <laughs> and you're going in and you're going, all right, we're going to try this new restaurant out. And you take the family and you go and there's no wait. You walk right in and there's no one in there and you're going, all right, you sit down. The staff is wonderful, but they're filling up your water every time you take a sip because they want to have great customer service. But then you're going, what's wrong with this place? You just right. don't Why is inside. no one else here? You don't really know if the food's good or bad. It may be good. It, may, it doesn't really matter. You walk out and you're going, yeah, just, that, didn't, that didn't feel right. Whereas yeah. the same, same thing happens. You're not sure about this place. You go in, there's a 10 minute wait. The staff is very nice, but they're not right on top of you. Someone walks out and says, that was the best steak I ever had. Immediately you're going, that's a good steak because someone else said it. It's psychology. Yeah. People want, yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't want to be the only one making a decision. They want to know they have comfort that other people have made this decision. So when the patient comes in, we have patients that are being seen for care that are coming out saying, I'm feeling better. Congratulations. Patients that are starting care and swiping a credit card that are making that decision that day that the patient is sitting in the waiting room going, well, that guy did it. I want to do it. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take that and spread it out. It, it cuts out the, the psychology of it. We lose. That's and brilliant. That's, that's one of the big things that uh, it's concierge medicine. We're, we're not, it's not a, a mill where we're seeing a hundred people in a day. Yeah, we're really focused on those people and getting the best care we can for them, but they need to be able to see and feel comfortable in the, the decision that they make. Um, and so we try to do a good job of that. That was hard through COVID, not having too many people in the room. I'm sure. In the, yeah. In the office, but, uh, but still having that culture of a buzz, an energy, your staff is moving faster. They've got places to go. They're not loafing around and sitting on yeah. their phone. Like there's a lot to it. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 that, that all makes good sense. Um, that, that makes really good sense. So I, I can see that. And, and I'm assuming the revenues you're able to do per location only being open one day a week are still plenty to cover, you know, the overhead that I'm sure you have, you know, 365 days a year in terms of like the the rent and i guess you're not using as much in terms of utilities and so forth but but the numbers work it sounds like very much so and, and it also gives us the so <clears throat> the consulting group that we had we, we take to heart what they say and we're like all right so so why did why do franchisors fail and i said well at some point your franchisee a year or two down the road is going to say 
well, shit, I can do it better than they can. Why am I paying them royalties? Yeah. So your job is to make sure they're A, supported, and B, you continue to give them different sources of revenue, right? Yep. Different revenue streams. Your, our job now is to focus on different ways that we can bring more patients in. Mm. So within regenerative medicine, orthopedics is one realm. It's what we focused on. We wanted to be the best at that. But now myself and our other medical team are being trained on hair restoration and sexual dysfunction. And wow. Things that we okay. can say, okay, Monday in this office may be orthopedics, but Tuesday with the exact same team, maybe hair restoration. Oh. And so now, so now we have this space that we're able to use. Hell yeah. A week if we want. Yeah. And we can take that same team and now we can have different sources of revenue throughout the day. And, and even without that, they're massively profitable as long as they, I mean, I, as long as they do well. Yeah, the <laughs> opportunity to be profitable to is there, assuming the franchisee puts in the work, you know, and all the disclaimers yep. that go with that. Um, so, yep. yeah, yeah, that's that's interesting to me that that is I'm glad we kind of hit on some of this right here at the end, because that to me, that's very intriguing because you make a good point. I mean, I, I know franchisees that are so bitter towards their franchisors because they've been in the business forever. They don't they don't really. They don't they don't need the franchisor to like teach them the business anymore. Um, but the franchisor doesn't do a great job of, you know, continuously adding value. Um, and so they're bitter about paying the royalties. And that's that's something I, I coach everyone I work with on is like, look, you need to understand the upfront fees. Like, what is it going to cost you to be a fran to become a franchisee? And then what are you getting in exchange for that? You also yeah. need to understand what are your ongoing fees. And what are you getting in exchange for that? Because I don't care what the business is, you will get to a point where you don't rely on the franchisor like to operate the business. And so there's a lot of different ways that franchisors can do that. Like in one of our businesses, you know, our costs of goods are easily 20% less than what they would be if we weren't franchisees. So that's like, I'll never have an issue paying my 7% royalty to that franchisor because sure. I'm still coming out 13% net better without even getting into any of the other ways they add value. But yeah. th that's not always the case. And so if you're not a franchisor that's offering these kind of like volume discounts, you better make sure you're finding ways to continuously add value. So you guys kind of doing the R&D on, you know, what are other, you know, service lines that we can bring in? Because mm -hmm. if you got locations that are open one day a week and putting up, you know, solid revenue numbers, and now you start layering on other services where they can use the same space, the same team, probably oh, yeah. cross market to existing oh, client yeah. bases. You know, there's, yep. there's all types of advantages <laughs> to that. So that's exciting. Um, have you guys sold Wilmington yet? We have. Damn. All right. When are they opening? And you and I went to school there. We talked about that. I know. Uh, I know. I'd, <laughs> have to, I'd have to go back and look. We sold it recently. So within the next six months, I would say. But All uh, right. Keep me posted. Yeah, I'm going to go check it out. I will. I'm going to go. For sure. So, so let me ask you this real quick and, and then we'll kind of put a bow on this. But um, yeah. so like I tore my ACL uh, playing baseball in high school. Um, yep. And so, you know, I've, I've always kind of had some some knee issues in that knee. You know, I had surgery and got it repaired, but this was what, probably 16 years? No, probably longer ago than that. 18 years yep. ago at this point. Um, so, you know, the, the surgeries for ACLs have come a long way since then. So like you know, I don't have as much flexibility in my right knee as I do in my left knee. Sometimes it just kind of aches a little bit, you know, pops when I'm working out, whatever. Um, would would the, the services that you guys provide, would that help a situation like that? Or is it more for like someone that actually needs surgery to, to repair something like a knee? No, you're absolutely a candidate we want to see because what happens is that ACL reconstruction was necessary, especially at your age, because yeah. even what we do is not going to magically make the ACL. Real. Yeah, it was a clean, so, clean tear yeah. like it was. You, yeah. But the problem with surgery, so is it, it brings on arthritis a lot faster in that joint versus your other knee. Right. And so where you have uh, primary and secondary osteoarthritis, primary is genetics you get from your parents is natural aging when you get older and it's usually it doesn't discriminate one knee versus the other but secondary osteoarthritis is secondary to an injury which you had and or surgery which you also had uh -huh. so that knee is going to develop arthritis a lot faster than the other knee so what we would do is treat that pretty aggressively and, and pretty quickly to try to get your body to respond differently to regrow tissue in a, in a more healthy way to take 
uh, restore and, and regenerate tissue mm. so that you're not looking at a knee replacement at the age of 45 or 50. Yeah, that'd be good. Not, period. But we're, we're pushing that off and, and if, hopefully indefinitely. So yeah, all you're, right. you're a perfect candidate for what we would do. Let keep me posted. Let me know when they open and I'll, uh, I'll be one of the first ones in line because I definitely I don't want a knee replacement. Um, we, uh, we, we recently brought on a national spokesperson and I, I, I'll get to fly out and see him pretty soon. And I think hopefully I get to treat his niece, but, uh, Emmett Smith for the Dallas Cowboys. No way. Came on. Yeah. So he, he just came <laughs> on board with us, uh, left. That's week. exciting. Yeah. We're excited to have him as part of the team and, uh, fly out there and, uh, see what what ailments we can help on him too pretty soon so very cool very cool man well look so much exciting stuff going on i really appreciate you (laughs) sharing all of this i mean i uh love what you guys are building and can't wait to see you know where this thing goes over the the coming years and and beyond that so appreciate you uh you know taking time to to share with us i think anyone that listens is going to get a ton of value from hearing this and and i have no doubt that uh you've probably sparked some interest in uh some folks looking for a great franchise opportunity to get involved in as well. Um, real quick, before I let you go, I've got what I call a lightning round. I do. I ask the same four questions to everyone that comes on the podcast. So uh, if you're cool with it, maybe we can run through that real quick. Do it. Awesome. Uh, first question is simply, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? That could be in business or in life. Don't sneeze when you're hiding. I love it. <laughs> my my uh, man told me that as a kid and it's always stuck with me. I'll, I'll, I'll add to that, right? Which is uh, when you're in seventh grade, don't uh, try to hold a sneeze back when you have to fart um, because uh, yes. that that will result in like months of uh, harassment from other middle school age kids. So um, <laughs> great advice. Yep. Uh, next question. Do you have a morning routine? And if so, do you mind sharing with us? And, and the reason I asked this question is because I love hearing like, you know, what other successful entrepreneurs may try to do every morning to prime themselves for a successful day. So anything yeah. that, that you do? I absolutely do. Uh, alarm, first alarm goes off at four, second one goes off at 4.20. So I Damn. give myself a 20, 20 minute nap uh, up at 4.20, uh, make coffee, do a, a shake, head to the gym, at the gym early. Uh, my One of my partners and I, Justin and I work out together. We have a nice. trainer. <clears throat> work out i'm usually done there showered by 6 45 head to the office get to the office around somewhere between 6 45 and 7 uh, that's usually when i get the most work done yeah yeah quiet no doubt. and uh, no one's up here so yeah it's uh same thing every morning i'm, I'm a creature of habit for sure yeah i love it man that's that's an early rise um i i'm i can do like five a couple days a week i get up and work out like usually yeah. two or three days a week at like five thirty, so I'm getting up at five. Uh, but that's a struggle for me. I'm I'm a night owl. I have trouble, uh, you know, getting to bed and getting enough sleep when I'm getting up that early. So, but uh, I'm in bed so, pretty early. As soon as the kids go down, I'm quick to follow. <laughs> I hear you, man. Yeah, that's impressive. The the four twenty wake. Um, awesome. So you mentioned uh, the E Myth already. You mentioned you know really kind of diving in and reading a bunch of books. You know, as you were making some of the transitions you've made. Um, curious what book you might be reading right now. Uh, just started one actually green light, uh, by Matthew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. It, really good. I'm so I'm really good. Impressed. Uh, it's really yeah. good. I, uh, I got it like when it first came out, I think I even pre-ordered it cause I'd been seeing, you know, him put stuff all over Instagram about it. And I was like, man, I just got to check this out and yeah. it's good. And it's actually kind of deep. Like, you know, it's, it reads like a, you know, it, it, it's entertaining, right? I mean, it's him just telling yeah. stories. So it's, it's not like a hard read by any means, but it's actually a little, little bit deep. He's a pretty introspective cat that, that McConaughey. More so than I thought. I'm yeah. pretty impressed. Uh, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying that one right now. Yeah. That, that was a good one. Um, all right. Final question is simply what is your definition of freedom and are you living it? Yeah. Uh, I think freedom is the ability of, ability to do what you want, probably how you want and when you want to do it. Yeah. Um, I think those things are, um, you have responsibilities, but I think it, you have the freedom to choose to do those things uh, yeah. in, in your own terms. Um, and by all means, I feel like I'm doing that right now and, and living that way. Um, I think part of that is the ability to hire much better people than me and take a step back and let them do things. And it gives yeah. me the freedom to, to, turn into a new role which is president and uh one that i'm I'm happy to have and 
learning and being challenged every day with. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love it, man. Well, look, you guys keep doing what you're doing. It's inspiring. And hey, I'm glad we connected. Always cool to connect with another uh, UNCW alum and, uh, you know, see you having so much success. So uh, we will definitely stay in touch. I'll be checking out QC Kinetics once they uh, open their doors here in Wilmington. Where can people connect with you? Where can people learn more about QC Kinetics? Where can they learn about the franchise opportunity? We'll put all this yeah. in the show notes. Yeah, please. So QC Franchise Group uh, is uh, our, our website is uh, just www.qcfranchise.com. Okay. So if you're interested in franchising, go there. You'll get in touch with Doug and Rhino7 and his team, and they're phenomenal, and they're, they're, they're really great. Uh, QC Kinetics, if you're more interested as to if we could help you personally in, in ailments that you have, uh, just qckinetics.com. We're in a ton of different cities at this point. And uh, if we're not there yet, I'm pretty sure we're going to be there pretty soon. Sounds um, like it. But yeah, we, we would love to help. Uh, you know, I, I give my card as my personal cell phone number. It's concierge medicine. So every patient in our walks our doors ends up getting my number at some point. So I get calls like right now that one's the number i don't have so uh i'm assuming it's a patient so hopefully somebody is happy yeah well hey i love it man really appreciate everything and best of luck as you guys keep building uh tyler man thanks for dropping in here on the path to freedom podcast thanks wes i really appreciate it yeah man That's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today and be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know when a new episode is released. You can also check me out on my website at www.path2frdm.com. And if you want more information about franchising or just want to say hello, feel free to contact me at Wes at Path2FRDM.com. Thanks again. Now go drop in.